0: Welcome to Episode 5 of the Brosane Pistons Podcast. I'm Carl Rosane.
1: And I'm Alex Rosane.
0: So today is the Game 5 of the NBA Finals, and the World Cup is going on. But in our opinion, there's still nothing more interesting to talk about than the good old Detroit Pistons.
1: (laughs) We'll keep talking about them during the Finals until they're in the Finals.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) So a couple things to round up this week. There's, we don't have a, a grand topic for this episode, but there's still been some interesting news happening re- recently, including uh, Lance Stevenson being a free agent, and his, his potential match as a on our roster, uh, some more news about Stan Van Gundy and what he's planning to do with the team. Andre Drummond did a "Ask Me Anything" on Reddit briefly. That was kind of fun. Um, Alex, you were saying that talking about player peaks and how our roster.
1: Yeah, that's a topic I've referred to a few times in, in past episodes, and. May as well get into it today.
0: Yeah, and, and player peaks is relevant to Lance Stevenson because he's young.
1: Yep, that's right. So I, I had the impression that uh, guards peak at age 25 and big men peak at age 28 before, um, and I had operated that way for a couple of years. But I started to look into what has actually been written about this and who has done an analysis on it. And I found out that uh, actually I I, uh, I knew less than I thought or – what I thought I knew was wrong. Basically, what's known about NBA players in terms of people doing research on it is players tend to peak between the ages of 23 and 27, and it, and you can't predict when a guy is going to peak. Uh, overall, on average, pe- players get a little bit better every year until they're 27, and then they get a little bit worse every year, but basically stay about the same. And then sometime after age 30, sometimes it's right at, at 30, 31, 32 they have a year where they just drop off precipitously after that. And so you know, players can still play at a high level after age thirty, like you know, Tim Duncan and Ray Allen are both playing in the finals right now and and are useful players. But you gotta be really careful about having players signed along contracts after age thirty. Uh, and so you basically, you know, that's why players under 25 years old are very coveted because you know that, um, they still have a chance to get better and they're not past their prime. And by the way, if you look at who are the best players age 25 or under in the league right now, uh, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Serge Ibaka are four of them. And, uh, OKC fans are not happy that they got rid of James Harden. For a salary cap move that, uh, with the salary cap looking like it's going to rise more than expected, now it looks like they could have kept James Harden probably, um, and and rolled with a big four instead of a, instead of a big three. So um, the other things about about player peaks, you know, keeping in mind twenty seven is usually the peak, is uh, guards tend to age better when they are bigger and when they shoot better from the outside. And uh, the implication being they rely less on athleticism and getting to the rim.
0: They're not getting banged around as much.
1: That's right. And so um, John Hollinger did an analysis a few years ago when he still worked for ESPN where he was pretty convincing about that. You know, Steve Nash is playing well past the typical peak. He's a good shooter. Chauncey Billups uh, relied less on speed and more on strength and savvy and shooting and he uh had several good years into his 30s um uh and then you know alan iverson well and billups is someone who was good oh.
0: into the first four years of his you know probably he's 37 now he's definitely not he's past his prime for sure but you know he was good i would say until he was 34 35
1: yeah until the pistons got him again basically <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> he that was part one of the reasons we had a disappointing season is i i expected him to make a contribution off the bench and um, you know he was hurt uh, all year, obviously. But uh, you know Iverson was in his early 30s when he came to the Pistons and went from being um, one one of the better players in the league to uh, bad. Yeah. And and it just that just happens at some point. And when you're a guy like Iverson who who's a guard who's small and whose outside shooting is not his strength, he's not a Ray Allen who can just transition his career to standing in the corner and hitting big shots. So that's that's another thing other than age is. Uh, for guards, uh, if, a, if a guy relies on his explosiveness, like Russell Westbrook probably is not going to be a good 32-year-old NBA player uh, compared to how Steve Nash was. And then the final thing uh, is that uh, for for big guys, again, being um, relying on being long and, and lanky and tall uh, and shooting well, like a Rasheed Wallace or a Marcus Camby uh, the, and, and, or a Tim Duncan, uh, you you tend to age better than guys like Elton Brand, who are a little bit short for their age. Um, I'm sorry, short for their position, uh, and rely on explosiveness to make up the difference. Uh, a guy like Elton Brand just you know doesn't age like Tim Duncan does. That those are those are overall tendencies. You can always find an exception. Charles Barkley played pretty well, pretty late in his career, even though he was. Um, a monster athlete early in his career he just is so so skilled so the you know players are not statistics they're individuals but um, those are the the main things you know about and um, and I think the reason I I keep coming back to this topic is basically when you're trying to build a contender you you want to have all of your best players be near their peak at the same time and so that you take that into account when you think about um, we're going into this offseason with Andre Drummond Age 20, and Josh Smith, age 28. Josh Smith is, a, is around the age where players peak. He's around the age where a guy's going to stay near his peak or get slightly worse every year for basically the remainder of his, the, the remaining three years on his contract. But Drummond might not hit his peak until age 22, 23, 24. He might take till his late 20s to peak, age 27. Um, you know, Dwight Howard peaked in his early 20s and has, is still playing at a high level. Whereas other guys take longer, so the, I'm worrying about those those windows be opening at the same time for our key players on our roster. And that's it's, not, and that's not sh- the only thing to think about it, but it's something to consider.
0: Yeah, and Monroe is 23, so he would be around hitting his peak at this around the same time. Uh, and then the rest of our roster: Jennings is 24, um, KCP is 21, and then you have Bynum. Who's 31 is not exactly going to be the corner of our roster anyways so you know it's, it's nice to look at that and and in this I think one interesting thing that, that was discussed this past week was we really looking at Lance Stevenson as a free agent and again our favorite writer from Grantland Zach Lowe had an article I think this might become like the Zach Lowe you know <laughs> fan club or something but um, he it was a great article just looking at him as a free agent and who might be a good fit for him. And we, we were listed as one of the three teams that would be a, a, a potential really good fit. So I was looking at his numbers for one, he's the right age. He does, you know, he would be in co- a little bit in contention with KCP, uh, but that could be, that could be viewed as getting someone who's really good now. And, but then KCP's a couple years younger. And if you ended up being really good, you're kind of just hedging your bets a little bit, but looking at the advanced stats that we always talk about, um, he would he would have been one of the better teams players on our team last year. He would have been the best defender. He has the best defensive rating. Um, uh, I, the next best defender on our team was Drummond, and so because he he's he 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 gets steals. He's um, a good rebounder. He got seven rebounds per game. Uh, he has an offensive rating that would put him as good as Jennings, which is sort of disappointing in some ways when you look at it that way. But uh, he has a usage rating that's okay. It's a little bit below average, but he's certainly not a ball hog or anything like that. So. Um, but then the question is, what would it take to get him, and would it be worth it? They're they're, they're talking about how Indiana probably has about eight million dollars to make available for him, and they could probably stretch to get, make it about ten. But it'd be possible to outbid Indiana. So if we really wanted to make him be our next sort of Josh Smith level of contract, twelve million dollars, thirteen million dollars, we could probably get him. The question is, would that be good? Uh, and my first reaction is that. I'm kind of feeling like it would be it would be good right now, and here's why: he is not a superstar, and we can't get superstars. He might his stock might be a little bit low right now because he 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 was kind of a jerk in the Eastern Conference Final. I, I mean, in the in the yeah, it was the Eastern Conference Finals where he was just kind of going a little bit too far with his antics about like touching LeBron James' face and and just really kind of to the point where his teammates thought he was being a jerk. Um, and, and people are saying, well, if this is him on his best behavior b- before he's about to sign a big contract, what's he going to be like once he has that contract. But I kind of feel like it also kind of maps to the bad boys, like intensity. Like he's basically like, a, he harasses people. He plays really good defense and, um, and we, and we might actually be able to get him, which says a lot, you know, and, and we wouldn't have to give him a max contract. So while Monroe is arguably more promising in the long run, Lance is kind of comparable. Like Lance would have been like. Monroe's level of of overall across the board solidness and stats so if we, if we could get him and he's his stock is a little bit low and we don't have to spend a max contract on him that sort of seems like a good building block without really placing all your chips in that one bet
1: yeah he's um, he's young he's talented and he's gettable by a small market team like the pistons that's that's the main things to say in his favor and again looking at the you know looking at the numbers that I like to look at he was near-league average on offense, which would make make him uh, a a decent contributor fitting in with us. But that's just his production with with Indiana, where they didn't have any pieces around him. Uh, I think he would play a different role with us, where he would be a little bit more of a creator. We would rely on him to penetrate, and uh, his his passing uh, ability— uh, is not as valuable on indiana where you pass it to roy hibbert and he, he fumbles it and kicks it out of bounds whereas you pass it to andre drummond and he dunks it you pass it to um uh you pass it to david west and and he can hit a jumper so but he might be able to get to the hole more or we might rely on him more and he might thrive more in that system with us that's a little there i said the word if a lot there uh or there's a lot of implied ifs and so it's, that's not really clear on defense, uh, I think, um, you know, defensive rating, I, I don't put a lot of stock in that number for showing how good an individual is because Drummond wasn't our best defender. Uh, he just had a lot of defensive rebounds and blocks, and that that makes you look good on, on defensive rating. But Lance has a good defensive rating because he play, he was part of an elite team defense, an almost historic team defense. And by all accounts, he, he gets after guys, and he likes putting effort as a young player, he he likes putting effort into defense. He's not a guy who had to wait until he got late in his career before he saw the light and saw value. Well, boy, boy, wouldn't that be great to have a guy who likes to get after a, the opposing wing players uh, in your starting lineup.
0: And, and he would really get under Dwayne Wade's skin in that series, and, and he would really have an impact on defense. So I think that also goes to the Detroit spot. I mean, not like there's only one way that Detroit's going to become a champion, but just sort of fun to think about historically, his... Tenacity, his passion, and his being a defensively minded player all lines up with kind of the bad boy way to go.
1: Yeah, I, I would say the the bottom line is like Josh Smith, he's a gettable two way player. Who two by two way I mean, he's useful on both both offense and defense. Um, it, and like Josh Smith, you just worry about that one fatal flaw. For Josh Smith, it was jacking up jumpers, which was disastrous last year. Yeah, but. Uh, Stan Van Gundy has high hopes of being able to have him play to his strengths more and and so forth. Uh, and uh, I think that Lance's worry for him is if he starts to get a little too into his own idea of stardom, um, you know, the, their teammates complained this year about him stealing rebounds from them so he could go for a triple-double and stuff like that. It's just basically maturity for him. If if we can have him in an envi- in an environment where – his maturity can be nurtured if he respects the coach. You know, we didn't have great chemistry last year. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that we're the right environment for him. But do we do we just take that chance? Because you know, we have cap room, but lots of teams have cap room. There actually aren't very many free agents uh, as good as Lance, other than the the guys we can't get like LeBron and Carmelo. Um, well, and plus do we, we, we take don't. That shot? And we
0: don't need another big man either. So. And, and Absolutely not. For, and
1: Stuckey is a free agent
0: and I haven't really heard many people talk about him, except for the fact that he's probably going to be moving on. I, I don't, I don't really know much about our, I haven't really heard many thoughts about it, but it does seem like Lance is a better player than Stuckey. And he has the mentality where the one thing I liked about Stuckey this year is he was one of the few guys where he could take the ball and produce offense mm-hmm. later in games. So and that seemed to be our Achilles heel. We would play pretty well. And when it came to the fourth quarter, we would just totally collapse Uh, And and when Stucky got injured, you could really see that get even worse. But I do feel like uh, Lance has the confidence and the the quickness to to do that kind of stuff, which is nice if if we are going to lose Stucky.
1: Yeah, a creative force uh, is is something that we need. We did a lot of standing around uh, wondering who was going to get a shot off on offense last year, and that's why we were really bad. And we ended up with Josh Smith saying, ah, what the hell? I mean, are we going to do better than me jacking up this shot? And the answer was yes, but I could see why he would think that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, now, and, and here's the thing, you, you know, cap room doesn't make buckets, players do, and we can't just sit on our cap room forever. So it's all about who else could we get that's better. We, we, uh, maybe we could get someone that's better and we'll, we'll have to look into the full spectrum of, of who's available, uh, in a later episode. But, you know, L- Lance is one of the top guys for a living. Cause again, to, uh, for a reason, he's a two-way player and uh, he's got some skill. We put him in. We have Lance uh, Jennings and KCP as a kind of a three guard rotation um, against some teams that don't make you pay for it. We could end up playing all three guards at the same time for s- stretches of time, as long as they don't have a um, a small forward who could overwhelm Lance with 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 size. Well, I mean, I feel like Lance might be do, do a better job than, of, than Singler on defending
0: a small forward. That you know what I mean? Like Singler's was pretty good on, on offense. When he for his when he came in and we could make threes or, uh, but he just didn't seem like
1: he could really defend people very yeah. well. Yeah, Singler, Singler's fine to have off the bench, and and he's great if uh, if what his role is stand in the corner and make open threes, cut to the basket at a smart time and make a layup sometimes.
0: Well, by the end of the season, he was our starting small uh, small forward.
1: So. Well, he was the best small forward on our team. I yeah. mean that's uh, <laughs> that's why. And, and by the way, implied in all of this is that it's out of the question that we hit, play Josh Smith at small forward. Uh, For significant minutes in the future, yes, yes.
0: Um, And and, and going back to our discussion last week about Monroe, or a couple weeks ago about Monroe, it's not like maybe it's a false choice. But if it became down between laying out a max contract for Monroe versus putting out ten, eleven million dollars for Lance, the latter seems more appealing to me because you're not totally all in on it, and
1: you know you have a few extra million dollars. Uh, Isn't a max contract is what fifteen? It it depends on your age. Backs contracts for guys who are late in their career, like LeBron and Carmelo, are are much bigger. So that they're in the twenty millions yeah. range. But for a guy like Monroe, yeah, I think you're in the $15, sixteen range. I, I actually have to look it up.
0: Yeah, so I mean, a, a difference in six million a year is a lot. So yeah, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there'll be some way of well, combining we, everything. But. We can
1: afford both, actually. I mean, we we if we have um, ten twelve million dollars of cap room with Monroe's cap hold. Mm -hmm. Um, which means that we could sign Lance and then wait to to sign Monroe. We could end up with both. And then we've used up all our cap and we have this inefficiency where both Monroe and Josh Smith are making a lot of money and they play the same position. And, you know, that's, that's why we're talking about uh, a lot in piston land about whether we should trade Josh or Monroe or both. Yeah. But but back to the, what we were
0: talking about before is that, if you are, if we do both, then we really have tighter hands for next season and the season after. Whereas I feel like if we brought out Lance yeah. Stevenson, um, did a sign-and-trade for Monroe, we had Jennings and Smith and Drummond and Lance in our starting lineup. I mean, that feels like a move a step forward and something to be excited about this year while still having some cap room in the years to come to make other moves.
1: Yeah, the, the, that's right. And, and just getting talented players is the first step. And having people on contracts that are not untradeable. I mean, people talk about Smith's contract being bad, but it's not like Ben Gordon's, where you actually have to pay somebody to take him off your hands. Um, you know, Smith's not untradeable. We don't have anybody that's untradeable with their contract. And I think Lance on on um, solid starters, you know, borderline All Star money like like Smith makes, and like he's going to command. You know, the, the those aren't those aren't uh, cap killing contracts. They, they use up your cap space. But you got to have guys play minutes, and you need talent on your team. I, I'm, still, I'm still on the fence. I, I think that um, we could do worse than signing Lance, and we'll, we'll make the playoffs last, next year if we keep Monroe and, and sign Lance Stevenson. But I'm open to the idea that we could do better by um, you know, bundling some of our cap room with Monroe and a sign and trade for someone great. Or you know, I don't know what all the creative possibilities are out there. So we're just talking about one option when, in reality, as a GM, you fi- you face multiple options and have to pick the best one. And we don't know what's on the table in front of the Pistons front office right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, the other names that I've heard thrown around
1: that we might be able to get are players like Trevor Ariza, and that just doesn't seem super exciting to me. Um, he he was a real efficient player last year. He's, he's been inconsistent uh, throughout his career. He's had a few years for the Lakers and so forth that where he was um, – he's a very tall – good defending small forward who can hit threes. Um, But then he had a year where he, you know, signed a big free agent contract in Houston, and he started shooting way more than he's used to, and he was very inefficient, and he was a bad player. Last year was a contract year in Washington, and he was part of that playoff-making Washington team. And he would, on paper, if he had the same season as last year, he would just fit perfectly with the Pistons. Playing small forward, not getting in KCP's way, making threes, which is the main thing we need because we have good big men. We need we need floor spacing. The the only thing is he's going to be 29 next year, I think. And so if we sign him to a four-year deal, we run the risk of a guy being crap his pet hit the last year or two of his contract if he falls off that age cliff. And he's a guy who has a track record of being bad after he signs big contracts. So, you know, it, it's very tantalizing because – You know, having a six foot nine, great defending, three point hitting small forward sounds perfect on paper. But I don't know. I think Ariza is fool's gold.
0: Yeah, and and the age thing is a big thing. I mean, Lance Stevenson at least is really young right now. He's twenty two, so or twenty three, and that means that you definitely him getting too old is not going to be the problem. There could be other problems. Yeah,
1: and the other thing about Lance is he's not the ideal. You know, sweet three-point shooting shooting guard. He shoots him well enough to be a threat, to where he could stand around and if he's wide open, if Monroe's commanding a lot of attention, you know, he he's not like Dwayne Wade where he's actually hurts your floor spacing because he can't shoot the outside shot. But his strengths are penetrating and running the break and passing. That helps and that's good to have when you have good big men. It would be better. It would be better to have a guy who can hit threes and. There just isn't that guy available out there right now who that perfect.
0: What about Kyle Singler?
1: Uh, Kyle Singler is thought of around the league as a good piece on the roster, not not only because he's a solid role player where you know what you're getting from him, um, but because I mean he he makes less than a million bucks a year, and in a salary capped league, you need those guys. You know the Spurs are in part making hay because they have the likes of Patty Mills and you know those players who. They're, they didn't sign a big free agent contract to come there, and they're they're giving them production off the bench and playing a very specific role um, We're not at the stage where we're filling in those last few finishing touches to really you know bring the room together, if you will uh, but it's worth you know if you've got some of those guys, you may as well hang on to them
0: yeah yeah so one more thing that happened this past week that was pretty interesting was um, another interview with Scott Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy, where he was talking about uh, Josh Smith. And he's, and he's been going back and watching all the games, and he says, Josh Smith put in the right spots as an outstanding player. You put him down in the right block in the low post or even on a short isolation 12 to 15 feet from the basket, and you can, he, can, he can get to the rim. He's outstanding. And he's, and he's not a, only a very willing passer but an outstanding passer. I think that's the best part of his game. So I think that's really interesting. And, and then he he went on to say, I think he's got a lot of talent. I do think at times he can get away from his strengths and start playing to his weaknesses. So, to me, maybe he's just being a cheerleader for the what we what what we have at our disposal. But yeah. I don't know if he's right. That's sort of what I see sometimes too. Is that if he's playing the right way, he's very athletic. He's a two way player. He is a good passer. That could be a really exciting part of a really of a high quality
1: team that's playing well. Yeah, my hopes my hopes for Josh Smith are basically. Uh, a rich man's Boris Diaw. We, we've seen how how valuable Diaw has been in certain matchups in the in the Spurs playoff run. Of uh, well, he's been a skilled, he key, he's power been key in the finals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A skilled power forward who um, can pass, move the ball, um, can post up if he gets a smaller guy on him, um, plays with a high basketball IQ, and can defend decently well. Well, what Smith brings to the table that Diaw doesn't is he's a rim protector as well. He's he's had blocks more shots, and he um, is more of a threat to take it to the rack and score um, compared to Diao. So he has some skills that Diao doesn't. What Diao has developed is the ability to not shoot every time he's open on the perimeter, and he takes judicious shots. And th- that's the main thing. Now, Diao has has been a little bit like Josh Smith, where um, when he's not in the right situation, he's, he's bad if a team doesn't use his skills. I think before he ended up on the Spurs, if I'm not mistaken, he was on Charlotte and they were a bad team, and he, he got cut. overweight and he was cut. Yeah, just, the worst team in the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he went on. Uh, now he's
0: starting in the finals, and he basically was the MVP of the last game where he had like almost he had like eight assists. Uh, yeah,
1: it was crazy. Yeah. So I just I just look at that and I see, you know, uh, Josh just brings a lot of those skills, and he's still in his prime. And you know, so, uh, something that. Um, Jeff Van Gundy said during a game earlier in the playoffs has stuck with me, which is if, a, if a, there are three, three main ways that a guy can add value to your offense without shooting, and it's setting picks, spacing the floor, meaning being a threat to hit the three from standing in a spot, and passing. Well, 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 Josh Smith is... Uh, by the eye test, by his assist numbers for his position and by this quote from Stan Van Gundy, a very good passer. And so in addition to being a threat to drive to the hole, he can really be part of a, a high octane offense if we take advantage of his strengths and if somehow, you know, Stan Van Gundy can set a, cast a spell on him and get him to play the right way.
0: And um, some of the best moments of the last season were when him and Drummond played really well together and he would alley up it to Drummond.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, having um, you know, having a, a Lance Stevenson who's a good passer and a willing passer on the on the perimeter and, and Josh Smith and Drummond, you know, uh, in the right hands, in the right system, that could that could be good. We would definitely need someone who can hit threes at the at the small forward, and we would need Brandon Jennings to to make sure he shoots well. Uh, hopefully, improve a little bit. Um, you know, I'm 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 a little bit on the on the fence about uh, Lance, you know, we should probably just uh, commit to what we think, what we think about uh, if you had to decide yes or no right now to make Lance, uh, you know, an $11 million a year offer for four years uh, right now.
0: Assuming we sign and trade Monroe, I would go, I would go for it for the reasons I said earlier. I just feel like it's, it's a, you know, he's a really good two way player. He's young. He's his stock might be a little bit low right now. So you're not having to overbid for him. So yeah, uh, that would be my uh, bold statement.
1: Okay, I I don't think that would be a crazy path to take. Um, my instinct is to is to try to um, build a little more slowly with um, a backcourt of Jennings and ContiVius Caldwell Pope. Just take one more year to see what we have in him. And you know, if we need to roll roll our cap room over another year, or just you know sign guys sign guys to shorter deals, or um, you know take get, get some assets because we trade our cap room away, rent a player for a year. Um, So that would be my instinct is to be cautious with uh, committing to a guy who we're not sure is the final piece. But, you know, um, if we end up signing Lance Stevenson um, and then people criticize Van Gundy for it, I'll probably be on these airwaves next year defending him for it because I'm, you know, that's just, uh, I'm such an even-handed guy, shall we say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, for some reason, I just have a bad feeling about signing Monroe to a max contract. I still think it might happen, but it just seems to me like that. A max contract seems like a much bigger commitment or room to go south than signing a very good young two way player to a $12 million contract, $12 million a year contract. So, one last little fun tidbit, maybe before we wrap it up, is that Drummond did a little mini. Ad- AMA on Reddit this past week, uh, mini AMA. I don't think it was a full-on one, just during one quarter of the, one of the finals games. And uh, one sort of fun thing was that his pre-game ritual is to spend the day at his mom's house, have dinner, and then take a nap. So <laughs> <laughs> I just really like him. I think he's a cool guy. He's twenty. He's twenty years old. I just really hope he can blossom. He, he, and his goal is to—he's working on his free throws, and he wants to be an All-Star this year. So I agree. You know. So here's our the optimistic scenario based on everything we're talking about. We sign Lance Stevenson. Uh, we sign and trade Monroe. We, um, so then Stevenson and Drummond are all-stars this year. Both, that's both possible. And Josh Smith becomes a great pass-first power forward, uh, really just f- f- teeing up Drummond. Jennings starts to play more team basketball, and uh, we and then we make it to what do you say the second round of the playoffs?
1: I think that's our ceiling, and and I think it's it's realistic, but not the most likely scenario. I think the most <laughs> likely scenario is we we add a piece, um, and we make the playoffs and get it eliminated in the first round this year. And you know what? Honestly, I'd take it after the beating we've taken the last few years. Yeah, and
0: the other thing is. In terms of Lance Stevenson, I'm excited about him right now because he was, he actually was on my fantasy basketball team this year, so I watched him a little bit more closely. And I just remember him being unexpectedly good on my team because he wasn't you know he was one he was like one of my like sixth pick, and he ended up having games where he'd have triple doubles and just really helped to help things out. I think he's an exciting player, but you know if if we ended up if we don't get him, which is probably the most likely thing, because it's not like we've actually heard real facts about us considering him. I'm not too worried about it, but I think it's something exciting. And if it ended up happening, it seems like one of the first moves that we could make that would be exciting. Whereas it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like something we're settling for.
1: Yeah. It's a bold move and boy, it'd be nice to have a guy who tries hard on defense on the perimeter on our team. We were just so, so bad at that last year.
0: Yeah. So I think that's about, that about wraps up everything we wanted to talk about this week. The NBA finals are about to conclude and,
1: um, yeah, then, then it's on to the draft and the rumors that come from that. I think free agency starts July 1st. So uh, don't worry. There's lots to talk about. See you next time.